Get your Bibles and turn to the book of John, chapter 20. As you're doing that, I want to make a couple of announcements. Uh, I want to tell you about next week, we're beginning a new series called Identity. Identity. We're going to be spending several weeks just talking about who we are in Christ, how God sees us, what God has called us to be, the things that we're supposed to do. Identity. I've never felt more excitement about a series than this one. I announced it several weeks ago, and uh, we were planning on doing a completely different series after Easter, and I just felt like in prayer that we were supposed to switch it, and I, in the middle of the service, I just said, we're switching it, and people, oh, I can't wait, let's do it. Now, who knows, I'm going to have to get someone else to speak on it, but you're excited about it right now. So identity, who we are in Christ, what God has called us to be, how your destiny connects with your makeup and your personality. We're going to be diving into all of that. We're going to plan on going four weeks, but those of you that are around the hills, you know, it could stretch out. We could just keep on rolling. We may doing this, may keep doing it all the way through next Easter. I don't know. Ain't no telling. Also, if you want to know how you can get connected to the hills, you want to know how do I how to become a part of the hills, we don't really have a traditional membership. We just say, come on in, come be a part of us, dive in, let's get this thing going. If you want to know more about it, though, how you can serve, because we need a lot of help. Uh, this thing doesn't set itself up, and those kids don't take care of themselves, and we release them back there, all right? Uh, if you want to know how you can help, how you can serve, want to know what we believe on... Uh, April the 10th, a Wednesday night, we'll be having our Next Steps night. And it will be happening right here at the Knoll Center at 7 o'clock. Everybody say, April the 10th, Wednesday night, Next Steps night. It is, it's fun. We have a blast. Uh, me and Kristen will talk for a little bit about what we believe. But it's more about just spending some time with you, getting to know you, and you getting to know us. So those are our announcements. John chapter 20. Kristen, did I forget anything? How am I doing? I'm all right? I'm good? Good. If she says I'm good, then everything is well. John chapter 20, verse 19. We've been in the middle of a series called March Madness. We're going to complete it today. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad. Everybody say, then. Then. Come on, say it loud. Say, then. Then Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you as the Father has sent me. I also send you. Easter... Resurrection Sunday, the day that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We set this day aside, just like we do Christmas, and we say we celebrate a day that he was born, and then we celebrate a day on Good Friday that he died. But today is about celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He didn't just die, he didn't just bleed, but he got Resurrection Sunday. And so, Jesus Christ has resurrected. Now, if you read, and some people don't know this, and I didn't know it for years, and I was raised a preacher's kid. Jesus Christ, after his resurrection, spends 40 days talking to the disciples. 
How many of you didn't? Don't raise your hand because that can be embarrassing. I didn't know it. Okay. I knew it. Thank you very much. All right. So, 40 days that he spent with his disciples as if resurrection wasn't enough. He's got to spend 40 more days with them telling them, I'm really alive. Really, I'm here. And just appearing to them different times. And he, he first appears to Mary, Mary Magdalene. And then now, this is, in John chapter 20, the first time that he shows up with a crowd. He shows up, and now everybody's there, so this is his first group appearance. Now, let me explain what's going on. The the Jewish leaders are after these guys. And who knows if the Romans, who knows who all is after them. They just scared of everybody at this point. Remember, we learned last week that all of the disciples forsook Jesus and fled. They ran away, up, out, gone. And now we find them, the Bible says in our text, that they were assembled together. Why? For fear of the Jews. That means they were huddled, shaking like little babies. Scared to death that the people that crucified Jesus were coming after them as well barricade. Everybody say barricaded. You ever been so scared you barricaded yourself? I mean like click, 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 zing, zing, gone. It's out. Nobody is getting in. That kind of scared. And all of a sudden, Jesus is standing in the middle of them. Can you imagine what the response must have been like? The Bible doesn't say this, but I think it's something like, ah! They're already scared. And then there's Jesus. Bling. And as soon as he does it, he says what? Peace be unto you. You ever notice that any time the Bible says, peace be unto you, or the angel says, do not be afraid, it's already too late. Angels, do not be afraid. Too late. Already there. So he is in their midst. Ah! Peace be unto you. Now, Luke 24, don't turn there, but it tells the same story from another side. Luke 24 says they were scared. So Jesus, they're already scared. Jesus shows up. They're even more scared. He says, peace be unto them. That doesn't help anything. So in other words, Jesus' first sermon back from the dead is a failure. Peace ain't working. Still scared. And then, everybody say then. Then he does something. So what would you think he would do? I don't know if it was me, I would like lit something on fire. It's like, poof. I'd have done something strong, like just brought something out of nothing. Performed a miracle. That'll teach him. I'm going to walk through the wall again and back in. I'm going to do something like that. (laughs) Disappear, reappear. I'm back. I'm getting really peace again. (laughs) Show up with somebody with him. (laughs) Just something. I mean, you know how we are in church these days. I mean, come on. I love going to a church that's pretty simple. I don't know about y'all, but I just like this. Church these days, it'd be like smoke, lights, like American Idol, dancing with the stars. 
banner, <laughs> swinging stuff. Do you believe now? No, no, still don't believe. Our paratechnics does not help your faith? No, not really. I'm scared. I am scared. Listen, let me say something to you. It is okay to be scared. It's okay to have doubt. It's okay to not understand. If the disciples are scared with Jesus standing next to them, it's okay. So what does he do to prove his point? The Bible says, and then he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Which means they were not happy to see him at first. The resurrected Savior, they weren't happy. They were scared until he showed them his scars. And when they saw the scars, he's here. I want to talk to you today about the madness of living with your scars. Everybody say scars. How many hate that word? Just a a word. I don't even like that word. There's certain words that I don't like. Scar is one of them. Because scars are a sign of weakness. They're a sign of pain. Scars are a sign of tragedy. Can I hear an amen? Amen. And for some, just stupidity. See that scar right there? Yep. You won't believe what I did. Please don't tell me. I'm telling you anyway. Okay, you shouldn't have. That was really dumb. It's a sign of, of messing up, running into a door, sliding face first into second base when you should have gone feet first. Running when mama said, don't run. Playing a sport you shouldn't have played. Especially your age. It's a sign of a mess up. And we're taught, don't show your weaknesses. We're taught as a society. You're taught as children. We're even taught in church. Don't show your mess ups. Make sure everything's right, especially on Easter Sunday. Make sure you don't have to open the doors so people will cool off. Make sure the sound doesn't go down. (gasps) Everything needs to be perfect. Don't let them see you sweat. Keep a grin on. Keep a smile on. And so people show up on Sunday morning. How are you doing? I'm fine. Thank you. How are you doing? You're not fine. You just had the worst week of your life, but we've been taught you don't show that stuff, especially at church, because church people are mean. Can I get a witness from somebody that's met a mean church person? Come on, don't get all religious. Never. I love them all. You a liar too. Anybody ever met a mean church person? I'm going to tell you, church people, church mean is different than normal mean. Come on, somebody help me out. I've had church people say things to me that pagans wouldn't say to me. (laughs) Mean. Why do you think that that's who the disciples are hiding from? Church people. (laughs) 
<laughs> so we're taught, don't say anything. We're taught you don't show your weaknesses. You hide your flaws. Put makeup on it. Pump it up. Take vitamins. Do, work out. Do whatever you can. Don't let it. We've been doing a thing around the hills called realograms because I think Instagrams are Insta scams. I'm telling you right now. We only show the perfect us. Everything's great. We've been doing this thing around here called realograms. We're just taking pictures of stuff that nobody should see at all. Jessica Easter, I love the stuff you've been putting up. That's been incredible. Just realograms. We're taught not to do this in our relationships. Lie about it. Don't tell anybody about it. You made a mistake. You better not tell your spouse. They'll leave you. Don't let your kids know that you mess up. Make them think you're perfect. Hide stuff in your relationships. Hide stuff on your resumes. Pump it up. Make it better. So why, if this is true, would Jesus show His scars? Why would he open himself up? I'm going to give you a couple of reasons. One, if you're taking notes, because scars are a sign of humanity. And the disciples did not need a superman. Now look, I know you like serving a superman. Most of us love it. Most, a lot of people don't want to know about Jesus being anything but a superhero. Because that's who we look to, Right? The best, the strongest, that's who I want to serve. We don't like to think about Jesus having bad breath or using the restroom or having acne as a kid. We don't want to think about that. But the Bible says that he took on the form of humanity in all of its weakness, every bit of it. He took it all, and we'll, we'll talk about that maybe in a little bit, but Philippians 2 talks about that. He laid aside every bit of his deity. He said, I'm not, I don't, I'm not worried about being that right now. I don't think that I have to be God right now. I'm going to take on the form of a human. And not just a human, but a servant. And not just a servant. I'm going to become obedient, not just to doing what I'm called to do. I'm going to become all the way obedient unto death. This is how weak he allowed himself to be. Why? Because we didn't need a hero to save us. We needed a savior to save us. We didn't need a showing up. I'll never forget one time I made a comment about Jesus tripping. You ever think about Jesus tripping and falling? And I remember this one lady said, not my Jesus. (laughs) Oh, you have one to yourself? My Jesus made no mistakes. Okay, well, maybe yours didn't, but I kind of get a kick out of the fact that he became like me in every area. It's an amazing thing. Let's touch back on that in just a moment. Why would he have to take on humanity? Look at me. Because a spirit can't scar. That's why. Write that down. Tweet that puppy. Maybe it wasn't that good. (laughs) A spirit can't scar. God is a spirit. God is one. God is omnipotent, omnipresent. He is everywhere, but he can't bleed. 
And the scripture says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. There had to be flesh, blood, bone, humanity, so he could bleed. And so Philippians says, he robs himself of all of that and robes himself in all of this and became like me. I don't know about you, but to me, that is the greatest act of grace. I know the cross is absolutely incredible. But I think the greatest act of grace happened long before the cross. I think it happened 33 and a half years earlier when God became an embryo. That's the act of grace. That God would give His only begotten Son, His only lineage, no more heritage, no more inheritance. He would give that up. Think about what, well, let's not even get into that. Man, does that blow your mind? Because you and I don't like to be downgraded to anything. We want to be upgraded, not downgraded. Jesus allowed himself to become like Us, the greatest miracle was not the empty tomb. The greatest miracle was the filling of the womb. What? That was good. If I was back in Mississippi, we would go right now. I'm telling you. B3 Oregon, what? Just go. How many have never had church with a B3 Oregon in it? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Uh Uh-oh. We're going to do this soon. Derek, we got to haul us a B3 organ in here just for one Sunday. Or an accordion, either one. That works too. Derek Arms and my mama both can play accordion. I think they should do a duet one Sunday. I'm never coming back to this church. I thought you said this was a nice place. He's crazy. (laughs) The greatest miracle was that he would allow himself to become like me. Look at me. Because I know me. You don't know me. I know me. On Sunday when I got my suit on and tie, but Monday I'm tired and I make mistakes and I ignore Kristen, and I yell at the boys. And I want to say things to that person that cut me off on 65. And that's just the beginning. The thoughts I have, and the questions I have. Anybody with me? I know me. That he would become like me. As frail as I am, as weak as I am. That astounds me. That's grace right there. I love the scripture that Hebrews 4 says, He is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Don't you love that word of spirit? You can't touch it. But humanity, touch, hug, kiss, slap. Whip, nail, kick, curse. That's what 
with the feelings, that word feelings, it feels of our infirmities. You see, God was God, but he never knew what it was like to be us. But now, he knows what it's like. That's why there is intercession always going on before the throne. When you know God is ready to take it, the Spirit of God is ready to take us all out. Ah, but then that memory comes up and he goes, oh, no, 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 I remember how they feel because I felt the same way. Scars, everybody say scars. So scars show us that we're human. And so Jesus goes, look, I'm real, it's me, I'm like you, the same one that ate with you and hung out with you, me, it's me, I'm real. Look at them, scars, they, they show us and suddenly they go, oh, oh, we're so happy to see. You know why? Because scars create an instant connection. You know what I'm talking about? I'll be, I'll be at the gym working out and I'll look over and see a guy. I had an ACL, a knee reconstruction. So I have this big scar down the middle of my leg. And I'll look over and see a guy with an ACL. And I'll go, hey, point to it. We don't know each other. He's like, I got you. Instantly, we know what it was like, the rehab, the pain. The How many know what I'm talking about? You see someone with that scar and you go, I got me and you, bro. It's like, yeah. It's like driving down the road and passing someone in the same car as you. What's up? It's just you get all excited. How many know I'm thinking excited? Oh, yeah, me and you. We're like this. No, we're not. We're going different ways. But and God, I may never talk again, but there was this instant connection. But we do just the opposite. We hide our scars. We keep people at arm's length. You know why? Because we're afraid. Listen to me. I'm going to get as close to you as I can. Listen. You know why we keep people like this, the Heisman, the stiff armors? Because we're afraid if they get close enough, they're going to see our blemishes. But here's what I found. People won't get close until they see your blemishes. That is good preaching. Say it again. We stiff arm people because we're afraid if they get close, they're going to see our blemishes. But I have found that people don't get close until they see your blemishes. Because they don't think they can. They think we're too good. We've got this air. What if we were the kind of people that were really like Jesus? And we had no fear of letting people see our scars. Let me say this again. Hidden scars don't help anybody. Don't help anybody. I believe what God is wanting to do. I believe God is wanting to bring an awakening to this city. And here's how it's going to happen. People just being real. In a city that makes up, props up, pumps up, builds up, teaches how to act, puts on a facade, photo shoot. Everybody say photo shoot. Everything's got to look great and glamorous and everything's got to be in its place. We've got managers in this, t- this room that know what I'm talking about. You've got to keep everything right and all oh, things can't be ever messed up. I believe what's going to bring about an amazing awakening is suddenly when people start going, Hey, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and look, here's a scar to prove it. I tripped and I fell. Look at that. Scars show people our humanity. They show people that we're real. 
that you're not perfect. And I believe most people, the reason they only come to church on Easter is because they can't handle not being perfect. Well, let me tell you today, we ain't perfect. Nobody's perfect. But we sure after, we sure are after someone who is. Number one, scars show our humanity. Scars are a sign of humanity. But number two, scars are a sign of healing. They show humanity. So when Jesus said, look, scars, hands, head, side, feet, what is he saying? I want to prove to you that I bled. I want to prove to you that I was wounded. I want to prove to you that I died. But I also want to show you a sign of not just my humanity, but a sign of my healing. I didn't just bleed and die. I bled, died, and got back up again. He didn't show them bleeding, festering wounds. He showed them scars. Look at me, people. There is a difference in a wound and a scar. Because a wound is still painful and there's still tragedy connected to it. But a scar... Here's what Webster says about a scar. Webster says a scar is a permanent mark on the skin or tissue that forms after a wound is healed. Now's when I really need Mississippi B3 Oregon right there. Did you get that? We hide our scars because we're afraid that people are going to see the tragedy and the torment and the mistakes. When in reality, when you look at a scar, you're seeing a sign of healing, a sign of victory, a sign that you can overcome anything. Thank you for that applause right there. Just that few of you. Thank you. What about the rest of you? Does that give anybody hope today? Come on. I'm clapping in church. It's okay. A sign of healing. Then, the Bible says, everybody say, then. Then the disciples were glad when he showed them her scars. Why? Because he goes, oh, okay, it's really you. You did, you did bleed and you die. I can see it. Okay, that's real. But also they could look at him who was mutilated for our transgressions. Died like an animal, like a, like a common, not just a common, but the worst of all criminals. And they could look at him and say, if you got up after that, then I can get up after this. There are people in this city that have lost their hope. All they need is for someone to say, I've been where you are. You have been where I have. Oh, yes, I have. Look at this right here. Check this out. I've been where you are. I'm looking at people in this room right now and my heart is so full. Kristen and I sat, we passed each other the other night, three o'clock in the morning, carrying such a heavy load. Now, our job is not hard. I don't want you to think, you guys work so hard and so many of you work so hard. But there are days that it's just a load to carry as a pastor. And it was one of those nights, at 3 o'clock in the morning this week, we passed each other. I was just going to bed and she was getting up. Because both of us carrying something in our heart, just, oh Lord, just praying people through just life 
just tough life, you know, just trying to, Lord, give us wisdom and how do we walk through that? And I remember the next morning we both look at each other bleary-eyed over coffee and I remember looking at her and I said, yeah, it's tough. I hate knowing that. But hey, on the other side, what about so-and-so? And I started listing the people in this church, people I'm looking at right now, that when I met you, you were bleeding and you were wounded. But now you stand here full of joy and hope and life because the wound is healed. And now it's a scar. I want to admonish you today and encourage you, don't hide that. Be free to look at other people and say, I know how you feel. When you look at the scars, don't recall the torment. Remember the restoration. Sam Chapel says, anything that you overcome becomes your platform. Write that down at Sam Chapel. Tweet that. Sam says that. Anything you overcome becomes your platform. Or another way to say that is this. Any wound that gets healed and turns into a scar becomes the power to your testimony. There's no scar without a wound. There's no resurrection without a death. There's no testimony without a test. It's just that simple. And this is why Paul said in Philippians 3, bring that up on the screens if you will, Philippians 3, and I'm almost done. Jared, would you come please? Or whoever's coming? Watch this, Philippians 3. This is one of those verses that I always wanted to rewrite. You ever want to rewrite a verse? Just raise your hand. Here we go again. Not me. I think it's perfect the way it is. No, come on. There's some of them that you'd like to just tweak around just a little bit. Even the disciples used to say stuff. He really said that? That's a hard saying. I think I'd have said that a little different, Jesus. This is one of those just coming from a songwriter's or a, a preacher's model. I would have rewritten this. I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of His sufferings, and the fellowship of sharing in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death. Wait, say right there. I would have said, me, I would have said, I want to know Christ in the fellowship of His sufferings, and then, and in the power of His resurrection. See, that brings you up out. You know what I mean? That hook. Oh, I get that. I like that. Yeah. He didn't write it this way. He said, I want to know Christ in the power of His resurrection. What? What? Hallelujah. <laughs> and then he says, and in the fellowship of His... Just, just deflates you. Becoming like Him in His death. Next portion. And so, somehow, to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Here's what he's saying. I want to know Him on Resurrection Sunday. I want to know Him on Easter. And I want to know Him so much on Easter that I am willing to do whatever it takes to get there. Stay with me. Everything we do at the hills is based on three things. Loving, giving, and living. For God so loved that He gave. And because He gave, everyone can have eternal life. We believe in loving passionately, giving generously, and living abundantly. What he's saying here is, I want that abundant life so much. Not just life. I don't want just life. How you doing? Oh, living the life. I don't want to just live the life. 
I want the life that Jesus Christ promised, which is abundant life. And he said, I am willing to do whatever it takes to get that, even if it means the fellowship of his suffering, even if it means becoming obedient unto death like he was, so that I can step into that resurrection abundant eternal life. Anybody there with me? But that does not happen unless you've got some scars. Look at me. You thought you couldn't come to Jesus fully because of your scars. And I'm saying to you, that's the very thing that connects you to Him. Look at me. This is an important moment of the service. Look at me. This is very important you hear this. What you thought kept you from Him is the very thing that connects you to Him. He's connected to us by His scars. Paul said, I bear in my body the marks of Jesus Christ. Your scars connect you to Him. I want to encourage you today. Don't hide them. There are people out there that are longing to hear about your mess-ups. They're waiting to hear about someone that made a mistake, but now stands triumphant and victorious because of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ.